This is CliffCentral.com. All right, so the first time I met this gentleman was in 2008, and I remember I was at the Radio Dialogue at the Youth Press Bureau. And the first thing that he said to me, if he remembers it all, was that you need to be in entertainment. You need to be on radio. I don't think you remember that. I do, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Look at me now. Ten years later, I'm on Cape Central, and I have my own show. Yeah. And I'm also on TV. I'm doing a lot of stuff. So Jermaine basically is one of the most opinionated people that I know and the most informed individuals that I know. But at the same time, he's very much underrated here in Zimbabwe. Like every other person is very much underrated. This guy is a college dropout and he's also holds, he holds no degree at all. But at the same time, he's got such an ocean of knowledge. So um, you recently launched his book, I Deserve to be Self-Worth is a Silent Killer. And this book looks at artistry, astronomy, Astrology and ancestry. And ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sunny Jermaine in the house here on the Gilmore Sea Vibe. Thank you. It's been a, it's, it's a pleasure to be here. Finally. No, it's good to have you. It's good to have you on the show. Congratulations I mean, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Can you, would you believe that, uh, I've known you for almost like 10 years? 10 now? years. Yes. Uh, yes. A decade. A decade. Mm-hmm. We need to say a decade because if you say 10 years, it sounds like it's nothing, right? <laughs> yeah. But say I've known you for a decade. It's like, oh wow, that's yeah. a long yeah. time. And back then, um, what were your, what were, where were you in terms of your mindset 10 years back? Wow, okay, nobody's ever asked me that and I don't think I've ever thought of it that way. I was thinking radio, you know, uh-huh. both of us were at Radio Dialogue. Uh-huh. I had been there for like three years-ish as uh-huh. a volunteer mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and, you know, as an artist as well, you know, everyone is trying to make it work. You yes, know, it's, yes, it's quite a difficult industry, especially here in Zimbabwe. So I was trying to get my house in order, get things done. Do you have your house in order now? I do. <laughs> I do. Okay, all right, all right, all right. I do. <laughs> Took a while, but I do. Yeah. Yeah, I do. And I, I think this book kind of wraps things up nicely because I was speaking to a friend uh, a few hours ago and he was telling me that, yeah, you had a quarter life crisis. Mm. Yeah. It's, it's real. I think there's a thing called a quarter life crisis. But you've worked on radio already. You used to be yes. doing stuff with, you've done stuff with uh, Good Hope FM. Yeah. I yeah. Some stuff there. You've done stuff with uh, Five FM, yeah. Skies Metro FM in yeah. Zimbabwe. Yeah. Um, how was that whole experience for you? I, I I think I can tick that off my bucket list because, you know, I wanted to do radio for so long and it's something... I kind of miss radio, funny enough, but I haven't missed it for a while now because I, fin- I was finishing this book and yeah, this book yeah. took me like four years uh-huh. to write. Uh-huh. So, you know, it's it's... I like to think I have many careers and radio was one of them. Maybe oh, nice. I'll go back to radio or something. So, so do you feel like uh, you anything that allows you to voice out on things that you think, things that you do, uh, you're passionate about that? Yes, I, I believe the expression is very important to yeah. me. And I think it's the, it's the one thing that sets you apart from anyone else on the street. Are you mm-hmm. able to express yourself? Uh-huh, are, you uh-huh. express, are you able to, to portray yourself in the best way possible? I mean, yeah. there are like almost 8 billion people in the world and everyone is screaming for attention. <laughs> but very few can actually are getting <laughs> no, the attention. No, no, it's, it's difficult. It's, it has become worse these days because everyone wants to get attention. Mm. Everyone wants to be a real housewife or a real houseboy. <laughs> 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 or a Kardashian. Or a Kardashian. <laughs> 
<laughs> you mentioned a lot of the Kardashian, but let's let's talk about the book. Why decide to work on a book? I mean, other people could have done as, because you mentioned something about you mm-hmm. always you always humming, always wanting to say. Yeah, yeah. Um, you could have done an album. You could have done a reality TV show. You could yeah. have done a porn move, uh, porn film. You could have done anything to express yourself. But why did you, did you decide to do to write this book? And it took you so long. Why did you decide to write the book? I like what you just said. I could have done a porn to express myself. Yes. Oh, I that way. Like, well, pornography is actually someone expressing themselves. Yes. You know, it's, yes. it's, it's an art form. <laughs> So no, you only that you have a lot of things coming into you and going out, and a lot of things <laughs> and breaking of, out of and you. A lot of mourning, <laughs> but that's expression. Oh mourning is expression. Is expression. Yeah. expression. That is absolutely brilliant. I've never thought of it that way. <laughs> so no, if you remember uh, back in the day, okay, maybe not so back in the day because like ten years ago. Yeah, but that's back in the day. Some kids are still being born. Absolutely. No, yeah. people, people used to ask me and you a lot. Mm-hmm. How do you guys do these things? How do you guys travel the world? How uh-huh. do you guys get from A to B? How do you guys do this, do that? Uh-huh. So even back then, I always thought to myself, ah, this shit. You know, I can write a book. Yeah. I can, you know, instead of having these kids ask for free, because I'm a capitalist, you know, and then you have to make money. Yeah. You have to make money. So you can't be telling people what to do for no free. No way. You know, they gotta buy it. So I'm like, okay, I'm gonna write a book. Mm-hmm. And writing a book is something that I've always wanted to do in my life anyway. Okay. So I think everything leads me up to here to actually having this book finally completed after mm-hmm. all these years. So you thought maybe all these experiences that you're going through, you rather mm-hmm. put that in a book yeah. and uh, instead of advising people for free sometimes yeah. also, you might as well put it in a book and then people can pay for it. People can pay for it. Because yeah. at the end of it all, we need to sustain ourselves with what we are what we are gifted with or what we are capable of doing. Absolutely. Incredible. So true. And the title, I Deserve to Be, you say that you got this from Robert Ndebele. Yes. And uh, he was, he actually is one person that inspired you to actually come up with the title. Yes. So are you going to give him some royalties? He's not getting a cent from me. <laughs> because you're a capitalist. I'm a capitalist. I'm running a business. Uh-huh. They shouldn't have given it to me for free. Uh-huh. Well, that's my... Grandma, grandfather, mm-hmm. he is my grandmother's cousin. It's a long chain, you know, yeah, as people. you can imagine. Ugh, like people, so yeah. it's something that's in the family, mm-hmm. but it's an extended family grandfather. He's mm-hmm. the only grandfather we've ever known. Mm-hmm. So he said to me one morning in August, um, he was like, you know what, my grandson, you have to tell yourself, I deserve to be. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's it. That's yeah. the title I've been waiting for all these years. And mm-hmm. it just made perfect sense. Mm-hmm. And then the other half of the sentence of the title, uh, mm-hmm. so far is a silent yeah. killer, is because it's something that I realized all along that in almost every human being, whether you're black or you're white, mm-hmm. or you are somewhere in Asia or South America, we all struggle with self-worth. Mm-hmm. It's something that we have to learn. It's something that we have to figure out. So explain that to me because I'm trying to understand, like, how do you struggle with self-worth? I think it's got to do with finding yourself. Okay. All of us have to find ourselves. And part of finding yourself will find you tested, as you say, in artistry, astronomy, mm-hmm. astrology, or ancestry. Mm-hmm. Those are just complicated ways of talking about sex, money, manhood, and power. Okay, because I, mean. I was going to ask you, like, <laughs> t- just explain to me what all this is about. All but anyway, you're still explaining ourselves. Yeah. So, so it's when you when you journey through life, you have to meet other people, yeah, yeah. which could be your family, friends, or relationships. Mm-hmm. So, 
they will try to figure you out. Yeah. And you are trying to, to figure, figure yourself out. out yeah. well. And you are trying to figure them out. <laughs> so it's a figuring out. It's quite journey. a figuring out journey. And it's a minefield because mm. you have to, you know, encounter all types of people. And if you're less traveled, it's a narrow mindedness that you're going to be stuck with. And it's something that unfortunately at present moment in world history affects black people the most because we are less traveled, mm. we are less experienced, we are less exposed. We're less Exposed mm. everything in the black community, whether you're black in America, black in Africa, or black in Europe, everything for us is less mm. than mm. other races in the world. You know, when you talk about that, there's a time when I traveled with you to Amsterdam and we were with a colleague from Kenya, uh-huh. and then uh, we saw two girls kissing, right? Yes, and then yes, to him, yes. it was like the but most like, ah, uh, shocking thing ever that he no, had but seen. But you know what? The both of us had never seen two people of the same sex kissing, kissing yeah, but yeah. we were not like, ah, you know, so it was. Like, uh, uh, dude, you're probably less exposed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, also at the same time, when you when you look at young Zimbabweans, I think one of the things that we suffer from is just you know uh, the exposure. But we have the privilege of watching a lot of things on TV, but we don't have the actual physical experience yeah. of maybe seeing people taking drugs in Cape Town backstage or seeing people uh, fingering each other at mm-hmm. a concert or things like that. Yeah, it, that's that's so true. That's yeah. so true. I mean, if you consider how in Western countries, most parks, of course, we have it here too, but in the Western world, it seems like parks are just places where people just fuck each other anytime, <laughs> 24 hours a day, and you know, it's like, yeah, let's get it on, take your clothes off, finger me, finger you. <laughs> <laughs> Swap my Ebola for your HIV. It's oh wow! <laughs> okay, I, 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 when I was going through the extras of your of your book, I yeah. I realized that a, a lot of the people, of, a lot of the references that you made are from people around you. So, how did people around you influence the book, and uh, how you came about it, and the content in the book? Obviously, I have talked about my family, people like Robert, my grandfather, my yeah. grandmother. I'm sure I also came across my mom, my dad. Mm-hmm. Um, for my mom and dad, in, in terms of my charity, I think, and I really believe charity begins at home. Oh, it's yeah, something yeah, that, that's, you know, when you hear that in primary school, you'll be thinking, ah, oh, this teachers are crazy. No, but they're telling the truth. Yeah, yeah. So, so my mom is very influential, and my dad, they were like, we need our child to go to a better school, yeah. rather yeah. than a school in the hood. So mm-hmm. that affected me greatly, because I could have a level of exposure mm-hmm. that is different. You know, I look at people in the hood right now, do you know that some people never set foot in the city of Blois? Are you serious? Yes, they're always stuck in the hood. Wow. They, they, they don't go anywhere. Wow. They're, they're always there, they're always right there. They have nothing to do with their lives, and it's so sad because it's not even their fault. Mm. You know, they they they, 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 they people around them also yeah. that even they that. can't do anything. And then, obviously, professionally, as you go along, I think going to Radio Dialogue was a big step mm. Um, mm. because it also introduced me to the rest of the city, which mm. was things like British Council, mm. uh, the Echoes of Young Voices Youth Group. Yeah. I think that was like a Mickey Mouse Club of Zimbabwe. <laughs> <laughs> Many of us in have come from there. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and I think a lot of people are doing well. You're talking yeah. about the novel. You, you yeah, mentioned yeah, her yeah. in your book. You spoke about Bongani Zikarinu. Yeah. Uh, you talk about Chris Moore. Yeah, uh, you mentioned quite a lot of people that have come from that uh, that yeah. are doing well with their lives uh, today. Today. There's a part when you said in your book, uh, one of the titles was "Stop Wasting Time." Yeah, that was said by Oprah Winfrey yeah. in 2012. 
I mean, I needed to hear that myself, uh-huh. you know, and I think that's, the, that's one of the first things that you see when you read the book is stop wasting time. Yeah. You know, there is so much that is going on with life. There's so much, like, like I said earlier that you're trying to figure yourself out. Yes. They are trying to figure you, you're trying to figure them, and then all of you are trying to figure yeah, the world. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's quite a minefield. Sadly, in one way, you can stop wasting time because it's life is a lot easier when you do something you enjoy, mm, something that you love. Exactly, doing. exactly, exactly. And so for me, being in entertainment and doing the arts was natural for me. I remember my family tried to divert me, like do instruments. And Weren't you supposed to do law or something? No, I was supposed to do what you call it. An apprenticeship doing something mechanical. Oh, okay, okay. So like, nope, I'm not doing that. And then, yeah, and I learned the radio dialogue when uh-huh. I was still in high school. Mm-hmm. So that made perfect sense for me. Mm-hmm. So it's like, why waste time? Mm-hmm. Why do something that you don't like? And, I, and if you're a parent and you're listening right now, stop making your children do things that they don't want. <laughs> stop wasting their time. Stop wasting their time. Do you know, <laughs> do you know what? I, I was watching some uh, documentaries at the time and then they, uh, the person who was being interviewed was saying that our children knows what's best for them. Absolutely. But parents actually think children do not know what's best for them. When that you look at so kids, true. you find that, for example, I have a nephew, I find that he likes uh-huh. playing cricket, he likes playing whatever. Uh-huh. Even when you tell him something, he will tell you what he wants uh-huh. to do. So someone was like, actually, parents need to listen to their children because their children knows what's best for them. That's great. I never, that's... I never, I, I never knew that. That's, that's, no, but it makes sense. And I think I have that in the book as well, that parents, your child is not as dumb as you think they are. Yeah, and I, I don't know for some strange reason people forget what it's like to be a child. Mm. When you're a child, you knew what you wanted. Of course, we're not saying that you were like 100 percent on point. We uh, needed some direction and guidance, obviously. Of course, of but course, of if course. if you could have been motivated, and I think that's chapter one of the book. Mm. I say that the most successful people in the world, if you ever take a close look. It's their mother who's pushing them. Yes. Helping them. Where you say we best. need a push. Yeah, we yeah. need a push. Mm-hmm. We all do. And if the best push that you can get is your mom, mm-hmm. more than mm-hmm. any human being in the world, the it's best mother. push can be a mother. Have you always been pushed by your by your mom? To a degree. Mm-hmm. To a degree. To a degree. So I I think my early stages were pushed by them and, and then from there it was my aunt who took over because my parents mm. moved to quickly to another city in Zimbabwe. And I was like, mom, dad, I, I, ain't, I, ain't, I, ain't, I ain't moving with y'all to some <laughs> small town. <laughs> you know, it's bad enough that Blau is small as it is. Yeah, so yeah. to move me to an even smaller city, I'm not doing that. You're going to be in a cave then. No. So yeah, I, I, my, my aunt kind of, my aunt Janet, she took over that role. Mm-hmm. And then and then I took over from there after high school. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I, I like the part where you talk about... Um, you say power is equal to work over time. Yeah. And I thought about it. I'm like, but you know, the more time you spend on a certain thing, mm-hmm. uh, it said the more power or the less power you have. Yeah. And you touch a lot on that. Yeah. Um, you would want, would you like to just maybe, uh, elaborate a little bit on that? Cause someone yes. is listening like, power is equal to work over time. What are you talking about? <laughs> well, first of all, remember this book I wrote it because of four things. Sex, money, mm-hmm. manhood, and power. Mm-hmm. So power, we all learn this in grade six. This equation, power is equal to work done over time taken. We all learn it, whether in Afghanistan or in Zambia. Uh-huh. We learn this equation. 
So if you do the work and you put in the time, it should increase your power. Exactly. And if you do less work and you spend more time doing nothing or something that you don't like, mm. you are actually diminishing the power in that which exactly. you want yeah. to be powerful. Yeah. 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 So, for example, if I wanted to be an engineer, you know, or a mechanic, mm. and I've been doing the arts for the past 10, 20 years of my life, I'm not going to be a good engineer. No, you won't be at all. Because I've done no work there. Mm. So mm. I can only be good at writing because... That's what I was good at all along. And you spend most of the time and there. And spend more time there. So do you think that maybe as black people in, or Africans per se, yeah. we spe- we want to spend so much time on things that actually won't give us much power. For example, you know that your parents will take you to seven years of medicine. Mm-hmm. And actually you do not want to do that. And at the end of the all, that's why we're at this in this state as that's a continent true. or as black people. That's true. Again, that goes back to lack of exposure, you know, mm. lack of experience. I once came across a tweet. Unfortunately, the person deleted it, but it was so brilliant. The guy was like, in Africa, there are only four careers. You can be a lawyer, an engineer, a doctor, or an embarrassment. <laughs> <laughs> so meaning anything else is an embarrassment. Anything else is an embarrassment to oh, wow. our parents. Wow, wow. So they only know three careers. Mm. Basically, our parents consider those careers to be the only ones that pay. Mm. They think the mm. others cannot sustain us. They think the others are not worthy to be careers or something that they can tell the world that, oh, my child is an actor. My child is a radio. My child is a presenter. My uh, child is this uh, or that. Uh, uh. So that's the, that's the level of, of, of growth that mm. our parents have that they only know the typical careers that were most popular in the, the 80s yeah, or 70s yeah. when they were coming up and probably they wished they could they do, could do that so they <laughs> sing themselves through you through you yeah, yeah and then they wish it on you and for me being in the arts or a journalist as such it's something that my mom wanted to do oh, it's nice. something that my aunt wanted to do oh, nice. so in a way i'm living their dream yeah you talk you, you know? talk about that you say we live uh, your grandmother's dream yeah. your mother's dream and mm-hmm. at the same time you're also living your dream absolutely Absolutely. Um, and it's something that most of us don't realize that we today were actually living the dreams mm. of our parents and our grandparents. Mm. They had dreams too, but they were unable to fulfill them because they were, they had shitty parents too. <laughs> you know, most of us we have, have less parents. shitty parents. We have now. less shitty parents now. <laughs> <All right. laughs> so, you know, it's, it's like that. It's, it keeps getting better and better. But for us, it's a bit slow because, you know, other races are going far. Oh no, know? they are. They are moving very far. Moving fast. They yeah. are moving so slow. You know, when, when you were talking about the whole careers, something just came up in my uh, as you were speaking. Issues of being able to take, tell our, our narratives as Africans, because obviously, if you're an engineer, if you're a doctor, uh-huh. you don't have that opportunity to tell your narrative. But you are doing that through your own, through writing. <laughs> so, meaning some of these careers that we look at, like uh, being a musician, being an actor, uh, and we say it's an embarrassment. Mm-hmm. These are the these are actually the careers that can allow us as Africans to tell our narratives. That I mean, uh, so it's just I, I just thought about it. I was like, oh. but you know what? While we're trying, we, we're thinking that being a lawyer and being a doctor is the most amazing thing uh-huh. ever. We're depriving ourselves from telling our narratives through the other careers that are around us. That is, that is brilliant. Right? I, I didn't think of it. That Come on way. now. That that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is so true. Yeah. Because if you're a doctor, lawyer, and engineer, those Ooh. are, those are trade careers. Yes. Those they are. are careers that have a textbook. Mm. So, 
you stick some you stick a needle into somebody's arm mm-hmm. you're not supposed to say anything else yeah that's the script has already been written for exactly. that area you can't divert from it mm-hmm. if you're supposed to give someone paracetamol or amoxicillin end of story yeah you're not telling anyone any story you're no, not telling anyone it. about your life. that is so brilliant you're just so taking over knowledge and passing it on passing it on but then while in your case you're a writer you're into music you get an opportunity to actually tell your own story how you grew up in yeah. uh, in Bulawayo or how things how you do things and when someone gets a hold of this book mm-hmm. they get to go to get an insider of your childhood that where you're growing up and so you're able true. to tell your story that is so true isn't that incredible it, it is it it's is. incredible but and, and you know what that's the missing thing with black people uh, other races have been telling their stories for the past thousands of years mm-hmm. we have not uh-huh. and we've been left behind because of simply that something uh-huh. as simple as telling stories So I remember I was I was watching something on YouTube uh, a video by Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie and she was saying that when your people don't have stories for example like us black people when you watch TV or when you read something uh-huh. Christmas is white yes Christmas has got a tree yes she was talking about how Christmas is supposed to be this cold frosty thing yes and then you're like um when I'm black in Africa I've never had that I've never seen so that how am before. I supposed to you know so we manufacture it in our minds that Christmas is supposed to be this type of way for mm. us black people and yet most of us have never seen snow I've never seen no mm-hmm. so what white christmas i didn't know white christmas have been <laughs> yeah so would you maybe possibly say this is lack of ownership also because i feel like as black people we we are not encouraged to own things mm-hmm. like for example i like the fact that you 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 publish your own book it's sunny jermaine publishing mm-hmm. it's sunny jermaine entertainment everything is <laughs> yourself and yeah. i it might it might sound selfish uh-huh. it might sound like a self-centered yeah. but i actually like the fact that you're owning up to things that are around you things that you are able to do and mm-hmm. so Do you feel like in the black society we basically lack ownership? That's so true. Like we are, we are so humble that we do not want to claim that. Listen, I am the one who did this and did this and did that. You know what? You used to be too diplomatic or fucking stupid. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the time for humbleness is over. You know, it's time to start bragging. If you can do something, uh-huh. you know, put your tutu on. Yeah. Let's <laughs> put it on. Painted pink, you know, and stand there and saying I'm wearing a fucking tutu and I'm going to be fucking proud about it. <laughs> you know <laughs> okay. so you know what I, i i follow oprah winfrey a lot mm-hmm. and this is how she became a billionaire she yes. says someone in 1986 told her that listen young girl if you want to be successful at what you do own your work yes own it yeah so somehow when she was beginning the oprah winfrey show she was able to own that show mm. such that when they were when the time comes for profit to be shared she gets a significant amount as well because she owns it because she owns it mm-hmm. so that's the same with me if anybody wants to take my book and put it into print you're sharing the deal with me exactly you're not cutting exactly. me out exactly exactly <laughs> and i think as an artist it, it happens to every artist uh-huh. you know that you give away ownership of your work and somebody takes a significant but, chunk of it but you see also is like I think we're raised to be like to think in community wise to be polite to think about the community mm-hmm. it's always about your aunts children everybody, everybody else <laughs> and i think that's what has fucked us up up yeah, to today because yeah. we're not able to 
be proudly, you know, proudly stand up and say, "This is my shit. Yeah, yeah. this is what I have done." Uh-huh. And I've, I've, got, I've, I've been involved in projects, and uh-huh. I'm just gonna expose some people. <laughs> but there's a project that we're doing, like a TV project that we're doing, uh-huh. and then I only realized that if I had taken the fucking ownership of yeah, it, I could have yeah. been far of it. That's because so now you put 180 percent mm-hmm. into it only for everyone else to feel entitled when they know that it's you who put that work in. That's so true. So I'm just exposing people right you now. Know, you better expose <laughs> them. You know, <laughs> I. I here there are mafias in this town. Oh, there are mafias in this town. And <laughs> so it's it's um I I'll, I'll tell you an interesting story about Justin Timberlake and that just changed my life. Mm. When they were beginning NSYNC, mm-hmm. they signed away the you know the recording deal or whatever it was. Mm. And when their album it sold eleven million copies. Wow. And so yeah, and when when it time came for them to be given a royalty, the their their manager or agent or the record label they gave them $2,000 each. And when they read the accounts, excuse me, the guy made $160 million. And wow. disappeared with it. He says that was his first lesson in the business. Yeah. I was like, wow, where have you been with I, I, I learned my first lesson in the business, <laughs> I think, um, uh, just this past year. Uh-huh. Uh, Me that, too. Yeah, that's just And it's a bit too late, but at the same time, it's important that I let that. Because yeah. even up to now, when someone comes and says, listen, I want to work with you, I yes, tell them students. my worth. Yeah. I tell them my worth. I want this yeah. amount. Yeah. If you can't afford it, you can go to the next Bye-bye. person. Bye-bye. Like, just like you're in a shop. Yeah. If you can't afford to buy a buttercup and uh, whatever, Ola and this, mm-hmm. you, you always have an option to buy a cheaper brand. True. So, I'm just one of the brands, but if you can't afford me, then it's okay go for away. you to go to the next person. Yeah. And you, you should be okay with it, yeah. And you touch a lot on it's okay in your book. <laughs> now that I learned from Ian Lovanza, yeah, <laughs> she she is my spiritual guide from across the seas, from the ocean. I watch a lot of her as well. Yeah. So it's you're, you're absolutely right. If someone can't afford your buttercup, they go they better go buy that roaming. Yes, whatever it is. The, you know, by the Kotamangale, <laughs> Kotamafo for the buttercups. You know, so it's 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 something that you. I think. It's Every artist goes through that mm. because it's it's an unregulated industry. Mm-hmm. You just walk in, you walk out. People walk in and out of that industry, mm-hmm. so people take advantage. People just do whatever they want mm. because they can. Mm. And so, this is why a good mother it helps to have a mother because your mom, if she sees you being exploited, she'd be like, ah, 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 you're not gonna do that to my child. Yes. And so it's best when your mom is there. Look at Sam Smith. Her, his mother quit banking. She was a banker. She's a successful banker. Mm. And she was like, let me just manage my son. Mm. But look at him now. Mm. They mm. can afford mm. to go to holiday transit five days of the year because she took her time exactly. to manage exactly. in that career. Yeah. But is it only just mothers or fathers? Because you also touch a little bit on, on, on how Beyonce's father, father yeah. was constantly pushing. It's something mm-hmm. that you touched on in chapter two, I think, or chapter yeah, one, yeah, where you said, uh, we need a push. Uh, Beyonce's father was there to push. Uh, Chris Jenner is there pushing her yeah, kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, most of these people, Justin Bieber, Justin his Bieber, mother is also yeah. there constantly. And, um, these mothers are playing a huge role in these uh, superstars' lives. I think with fathers, the challenge is, if we have shitty parents, our fathers are bad shit crazy. <laughs> I mean, I mean, look, a Father's Day, which passed a couple of weeks ago, you know, if it's exhibit A. If you see Twitter, social media, what people say about their fathers, and that's part of why I wrote this book, is uh. because almost all of us have daddy issues. Mm. And so, 
it's it's an intergenerational thing <laughs> where fathers give birth to fatherless children yeah, and then yeah. another father becomes a fatherless child mm-hmm. and then it's a cycle that doesn't end. And so for the most part you find that a father has already left the house anyway. Mm-hmm. So you have no option than to settle with your mother. Mm-hmm. And if your father is there, chances are he's a professional in the same field that you are in. Exactly, exactly. And we, because you'll be daddy's child, you'll yeah. be daddy's boy or you'll be daddy's girl and daddy wants you to do what daddy does. Exactly. You know, so if you're successful because of your father, it's because you're only following his footsteps and mm-hmm. he's paved the way for mm-hmm. you. Like the Serena Williams and, and Venus. Yes, yes. Their father is the one who wanted to be a tennis star. So, mm-hmm. It was easy for him to coach his kids there. And look at them, though. And look at them. Look at them. They're flourishing. No, but he's a shitty dad. He's married to a 20-something-year-old oh. bitch right now. <laughs> you know? So you call like, someone a bitch? Ah, that kid is, you know. Oh, come on. When your father marries someone as old as you are, she's a bitch. <laughs> wow. So, Jermaine, I would like you to take me through, like, your chapter two. Uh, in chapter three of the book, uh, maybe just summarize because I, I I know you talk about the Bible and you say the Bible is not enough in chapter two. Yeah. Uh, and uh, you basically, I mean, you know, Zimbabwe is a very religious country. Yeah. And uh, I'm thinking whoever's gonna pick the book is gonna say, "Oh my God!" Because yeah. we're such a religious country. We uh, learn what taught even in school. We say the Lord's Prayer. Mm-hmm. We read the Bible in school. Mm-hmm. But then you are you are here just uh, challenging what's in the Bible, challenging the Bible as a whole yeah. in your chapter two of the book um or oh, you've just put me in the spotlight there <laughs> i think listeners are gonna switch off now but anyway here it goes. you know there's a thing that's going on in african society there's a rise in spirituality that's happening right now mm-hmm. and people are people are confused you know i mean let's be honest when you pick up the bible and you read some things they leave you thinking not even thinking they leave you knowing for sure that this stuff is shit. Oh wow. The Bible is a shitty book. I'll be the first one to tell you that. The Bible is one hell of a shitty book. It has some verses in it that are just crude. You know, mm. they, they, they just leave you wondering that how could this happen? How did these words end up in a book that is, that is claimed to have been written by God himself if he's a he? Mm-hmm. You know? So for me, um, when I was 10 years old, 21 years ago in 1997, I was like, I'm not doing this. I'm not reading this book no more. I'm mm. not. I'm simply not reading this crap. But then but then, when you make that decision and you look at the society, because we spoke about society earlier and society, yeah. uh, as black people are taught to do things with society in mind and you need to think of the next person. Mm-hmm. Um, growing up, obviously, you are around family that is so much uh, into the Bible and yeah. into religion. How does then that inform your decision per se i actually think it's fake mm. we have a lot of pretenders out here <laughs> people are as fake as fuck <laughs> you know, if you put a dildo in their mouth they wouldn't get an orgasm oh <laughs> okay because, because, you know people are trying so hard to be fake you know mm-hmm. and and again it's not their fault mm. you know when all you've been taught in your life is that the bible is 100 percent accurate and that the bible is 100 percent correct and mm-hmm. that the bible is the la W the law, mm-hmm. you have no option but to conform. Mm-hmm. But for mm-hmm. me, uh, I, my ten-year-old mind was like, "Nope, mm-hmm. I'm choosing something else." Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you something very simple: mm-hmm. the Bible is not enough because that's why we go to school. Mm-hmm. 
if the Bible was not enough, we would not go to school. We would not send kids to school. To but then, them. when you say that the Muslim in the Muslim um, <laughs> sphere, yeah. there's kids that actually go and do the Quran from yeah. when they are born until they are old. Absolutely. Uh, so then, because these books are almost the same, the yeah, Bible yeah, and the yeah. Quran. Uh-huh. So then, if the Bible is not enough, is the Quran enough oh, that they have no. to send their kids oh, to school no. from grade zero oh, or from no. zero years to when they are old? Oh hell no! Oh hell no! And so you have, for example. Example groups like the Taliban, Al Qaeda, Al Shabaab, mm-hmm. Boko Haram, mm-hmm. and the new one—I've forgotten the name—that's just <laughs> new one. <laughs> There's a new one in Mozambique. Oh wow! And you know what? Zimbabwe should be t- to Mozambique. Oh really? Uh, uh, Zimbabwe yeah, should be terrified because there's a new Al Shabaab, Boko Haram type of shit happening off the corner of Mozambique up there. And you know what? These extremist Islamists. They do not want kids to go to school mm. because they believe that the Quran is enough. Mm-hmm. But we all know that that's not true. Mm. Why do we go to school? It's because what does the Quran say about computers, about pens, about mm. court about just life skills? It, it, they don't say anything about that. The, yeah. the, the Bibles of the world do not fit us anymore. Mm-hmm. And you have to remember that those books were written, you know, like uh, a couple of thousand years ago. Even though for most of us, particularly black people, we started reading the Bible like. 50, 60 years ago. Mm. So black people are the most pretentious people in the world. Black people <laughs> like we've been reading the Bible for 2,000 years. Most of us couldn't read until oh, 60 until, years ago. Yes, exactly. You know, exactly. We, we it's not even a century of us. It's not even a century. Yeah. You know, and if you read books, people don't read out here. Nika's got to read. You Nika, you Nika, you got to read. You know, in, in Devere culture, for example, I'll tell you the Queen Laws K, I think in the late 1910s, she mm. was the one who was like, Developed people and by extension Zimbabweans back then when Rodrigo was being formed, she was like, Okay, in order for us to coexist with these colonialists, mm-hmm. let's try to read this book of theirs. Yeah, because they were banned from reading, mm. it was against the very culture to read the Bible. Mm. Yes, but now we, we read it now, now n- not just read it, we pretend like we wrote it. <laughs> we co- because we're trying to coexist, so we're maybe we co-wrote that book. You get it? I suppose in a way, maybe we did. Because I'll tell you, the Bible is divided into three. Mm-hmm. There is the divine interest, mm-hmm. there is the human interest, mm-hmm. and then there is the literature interest. Mm-hmm. So when you read the Bible, I want you to be aware of those three. And be careful as to which interest you are reading it for. Mm. Purely from a literature point of view, the Bible is a brilliant book. Mm. So on one hand, you have me saying the Bible is a shitty book. On the other hand, you have me saying it's a brilliant book because it teaches you to read. There is no other book in the world that taught us to read like Mm. the Bible. Mm. So it's a brilliant book for that. Mm -hmm. And then in the human interest thing... Those stories about Abraham, Moses, mm. you know, your Jesus is your Mary, the virgins. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I'm like, mom, if you gave birth to me and you were telling my dad you were a virgin, we would have problems. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, we would have problems. <laughs> you know, I, I don't care about them. Mm. I don't care about the Abrahams and the Moses of the world and the and the and the Adams and the Eves. I don't give a shit about them. Who the <laughs> fuck do they think they are? You know, for me as a child, 
to have to sing Father Abraham is many sons. Shit, do I look like I am a son of Abraham? I'm not. <laughs> you are one of the sons. No, I'm not. <laughs> so is this is this why then you you say in your book you have a responsibility to protect yourself in life? You sure do. Uh-huh. You sure do. And and the beauty about it, you said it perfectly that it starts with you having your own story and owning your own story. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what we have is that other races mm-hmm. have brilliantly owned their own stories, mm-hmm. and I'm not going to fault them for that. These mm-hmm. are the human interests of mm-hmm. their of their ancestors. Mm-hmm. Our ancestors were not clever enough to write, mm-hmm. and it's you know it's my fault today because I'm the one suffering. Mm-hmm. I'm the one that has to across where we were, where we are right now. There's a Pentecostal church. Everywhere you go, there's a church. Everywhere you go, someone is preaching to you. You're sitting at home. Someone is looking at your door saying, Jesus is Jesus that. Mm-hmm. Do I give a shit about Jesus? I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't. That's somebody else's ancestors. The song says it best. Father Abraham is many sons. There's many sons of Abraham. I'm not one of those. <laughs> I thought you were going to say I'm one of them. I'm not one of those. I will never be. I never have. You know, if you consider the Jewish people, it's a tiny little state mm. somewhere in the north of Africa. Big up to them for having a Bible. But for me, my ancestors were not clever enough. My ancestors were just shit dumb. Mm. They were that dumb enough that they could not write. And, you know, I actually just recently found out that you're a traditional makeup practitioner. Yes. I have no idea about that. <laughs> That's a new development in my life. Oh, wow. So, for me... It's something that I've always known. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I'll also answer back your question where you're like, where do you get the, I don't know, the world with Hall at the age of 10 to be like, I'm not reading the Bible. Mm-hmm. I've always had a feel for things in life, mm-hmm. you know. I've always been able to, I don't know, it's like somebody sticks a flash drive into my head and like, you know, something just pops into my mind or and I wonder where it came from. So I, I didn't know what it was until 2018. Mm-hmm. I was randomly walking out of, where was I? I was here in Lai. Mm-hmm. Some guy comes up to me, mm-hmm. old man. I call him old man in the book. We start talking. We start talking. We start talking. He tells me this. He tells me shit as if he knows me, mm-hmm. you know. And I'm like, wow, you know, you old man, where the hell are you getting all this from? He was like, no, you know, the beauty about you is that you listen to us. I'm like, what else are you talking about? It was like the ancestors, mm. you know? And then I finally, fi- okay, I didn't finally figure it out there and then. It mm. kind of took a while. But isn't that know? freaky though when someone comes and says people, always, people always ask me that. For me, it's not because I'm now used to it. People used to like doing that a lot. You know, someone just come into my life and just tell me something, mm. a random stranger from Absolutely no way, mm-hmm. you know. So, are you the one who's not doing it to the people now? I do. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. I I'm still, okay. Let's let's just go back to the story. It's, yeah. it's fascinating. Uh, yeah. So so and then I, immediately after meeting old man, I get into the et, the combi, the the taxi, going back home. I hear a song. I hear Phil Collins, uh-huh. another day in paradise. I hear you be 40, bring me your cup. I remember people by songs, which is why I love music and radio so much. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I knew for sure that that was my grandmother and my late aunt speaking to me. I didn't even doubt it for one second. Oh, I wow. knew it was them and they came through that guy. Mm. Because all of a sudden, the guy from speaking, he kind of like disappeared. It wasn't a vision, it was, he was right there. You know? uh-huh. 
But he, he said goodbye me, I'm turning this way, let me go into the suburbs and then you go wherever you're going. Thank you for listening. You young people, specifically, he was like, you young people normally don't listen to us. Wow. And that is why you find that, uh, according to the World Health Organization and the Ministry of Health, by the way, mm-hmm. 80% of Zimbabweans visit traditional healers. Mm. Yes. The other 20% lied. Oh wow, the sons of bitches lied. <laughs> you know. <laughs> and I also think of Patisanyati. I think in 2010, he was like to me, when the going gets tough, all of us Bantu people, Wabantu people by the way, even mm. though it's been used in a derogatory way, but Wabantu people, mm. when the going gets tough, we go to the services of a traditional healer mm. to reconnect with our roots. Mm. And it's something that we all do, but mm. we pretend like we don't. But then I, I like South Africans. We South Africans, they are South very Africans much open pretend. about it. South but in Zimbabwe, Zimbabwe, a lot of people have this pretense where they actually sort of like deny connecting. Yeah. With, but you, you find that uh, behind closed doors, they are the mm-hmm. ones that are going to do that. But so in South Africa, everyone is just open about it. Yeah. yeah. I think South Africans... I don't know how they did it. I'm, I'm curious. I think it helps that South Africans have uh, the most respected medium in, in the whole world. We, mm. He's called Credo Mundo, and I also talk about him in the book. He's so respected that even white people go to him. Mm. He used to have a column in the drum magazine in the 90s. Mm. Gilmo, I'll tell you, if he said, obviously it was a random column, but it was like an astrology thing. For example, mm. Virgo. Whatever he said would happen to me, it would happen exactly as he said it did. Really? Happen. When I was like nine, eight. But is it because eight. maybe you connected? I suppose. So I is suppose. it sometimes about the connection? But yes. I sort of like feel every human being has some psychic true, ability. True, true. Yeah. But sometimes we tend to ignore that. Yeah. Uh, or sometimes we we don't want to focus a lot on that. Absolutely. Maybe we are scared, scared. of what we might find out we might yeah. discover but we just are scared of discovering more of oh, ourselves yeah. in that and I, I think you know I wouldn't say it's the Bible's fault but the Bible's got to lie down and lie on its sword because the Bible is anti things like this mm-hmm. so the Bible on one hand is telling you that don't do this mm-hmm. it's telling you that it's witchcraft it's telling you that it's paganism it's telling you that it's satanic mm-hmm. you know so when you hear that and the Bible is the world's best selling book mm-hmm. it's the world the Christianity is the biggest religion in the world mm-hmm. so it's like you are going against God mm-hmm. literally you'll be sitting there at home and I listen to the radio a lot I always hear presenters struggling with this saying that okay I don't want to think about this let's let's change the subject because mm-hmm. it's like you're going against God it's mm-hmm. like you trying to figure out how things in the world work is you going against God so but, how do you reconcile that yeah no I get that and then also the question is prior to the Bible coming into us as black people and Africans mm-hmm. how were we always living we were just fine thank you so much <laughs> <laughs> because now when 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 you say this um it still goes back to our, our narratives. Yes. How are we telling our narratives? Because uh-huh. at the same time, you're saying there are some things, discover, finding out about yourself, mm-hmm. uh, discovering stuff about yourself, your ancestry and connecting back yeah. is at the same time to allow you to be authentic in terms of your, of your storytelling. So true. Uh, hence you find that there's a lot of young people that are trying to connect with, even through fashion, for example, you find mm-hmm. everyone mm-hmm. wants to dress African. Yes, yes. But at the same time, we're misrepresenting ourselves and trying to connect you see things now. that are ourselves. You see now. Yeah. So that's a child 
challenge because on one hand you're wearing all this African attire and you know you're getting this African themed clothing and you're mm. wearing them but on one hand you're like nope I'm not doing this I'm Christian I'm I'm westernized mm. you know uh, that is that is archaic that is ancient that is this that is that uh-huh. but at the same time you know that deep down within yourself you are having an internal conflict with mm. it mm. and I want mm. to be real clear mm. All races of the world, mm-hmm. anywhere you go in the world, people believed in God. Uh-huh. Whether there was a Bible or there was no Bible, people actually believed in God. Mm. So it goes back to the part where I say that our lives were just fine. Mm. You know, the, like I'm saying that we started reading the Bible in 1910 or yeah. about, yeah. and even then it wasn't everyone. It was the very few people who could actually interact with white people at the mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. Most of us interacting with white people in the 50s. Mm. You know, so you started reading. The Bible in 1950, and you're acting like you've been reading it for 2000 years. years. (laughs) You know, (laughs) so we were making families, Uh which I think is the most important fabric of all of us, Mm -hmm. even. Anywhere you go in the world, if you ask people what is most important to you, people will tell you that my family is most important yes, to me. Yes, yes. We were also good at making families. We were good at agriculture. Mm. We were good at our mining schools. We were poor, but we were trying. But we were good at building too. So architecture we was building, part of us. Yeah, we also had architecture. You know, settlements. Mm. You know, society mm. kingdoms. Mm. We mm. had mm. that too. Mm. Forms of worship. Mm. And I'll introduce something that is perhaps um, it may be new to some people. All races of the world mm. believed in what I call, okay, not what I call, what we call solar mythology. Mm. All of us at some point used to believe that the sun is God. Mm. I mean, if you read the Bible, what is white? Mm. What can you not directly look at with your naked eye? Uh-huh. It's the sun. It's, it's the, the sun. fucking sun. Uh-huh. You know? <laughs> and we went to, that's why we wear shades. That's right? why we wear shades. Ah. So if you notice, solar mythology fits the description of God. And even in Zulu, in the culture or language, we say, mm. It's a proverb that's been there for thousands of and years. And we, we use it. We use it today. It mm. literally means that consult the sun. So we did mystify the sun mm. as a mm. source of power. Mm. Mm. So do you feel like maybe we have this information, we have this knowledge, but we, we keep running away. We <laughs> had an interview with Patson Yate on Tatawan uh, last year, and then he says that the <laughs> African is quick to run away from himself. Mm-hmm. I did this, see that. Is, is this what it's all about? And I, I, I thank you for mentioning, Patisa. I have to thank him a lot because... I'm one of the few people who's been listening to him way before everyone else did. You know, most people used to shy away from him saying, oh, that guy speaks ancient stuff. Mm. He speaks... He's well-informed. He's well-informed. He's well-informed. And he has a book that he hasn't released that he once told me about probably 10 years ago. I don't know when he's going to release it because it was that brilliant when he was was explaining to Mm. me Mm. what he knows and understands about us. Mm. You know? And so I think for us black people, we really need that you know we are missing that we're not discounting that you can believe in your jesus's in your in your holy books and all of that mm-hmm. but what we're saying is or at least what i'm saying is find a way to link your culture in as well exactly yeah because you're not gonna go anywhere without your roots yeah they're important and the most damaged people black americans you know people in south blacks in south america in north america they really don't know who they are. They oh, are struggling. I find black Americans overwhelming. <laughs> I do have friends. Shout out to you guys, but I find them overwhelming. I mean, being days, no, there's a lot. But listen, yeah. we we have like 
almost 15 minutes to wrap up this conversation. Wow, yeah. Like so I, I still have a lot of things that I want to just touch <laughs> in your book. Uh, so if you're tuning in uh, or you were, you just tuned in, this is the Gilmore Vibe here on Cliff Central. The hashtag is GTWE Vibe. And I'm talking to Sunny Jermaine about his book, I Deserve to Be Self-Worth is a Silent Killer. We're going to be giving maybe, um, two books away, if not three books away, three books away. Uh, I'll ask a question uh, on Twitter and you can take Jermaine and respond. And if the answer is correct, you will get the opportunity to read this book. I think it's an incredible Five hundred pages, five hundred and seventy-six. Five hundred seventy-six pages worth of information, <laughs> and like I said, <laughs> like I said, Jermaine is an ocean of wisdom, and he shares all this in his book. Um, Jermaine, let's jump straight to you because you, you you talk about money, manhood, sex, and power. Power. Let's talk about sex in your book because there's Ooh. quite a few chapters that are sex, 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 sex. Yes, let's get sexy. Um, um, obviously, I'd say that um, every person, every human being, it doesn't matter where you are, we mm-hmm. all have a sex problem. Mm-hmm. You have to figure out what you like about sex. Mm-hmm. Before you figure out manhood, before you figure out the money thing, before you figure out the power thing, mm-hmm. life will text you, test you. <laughs> it will text you as well somehow. <laughs> it will test you in terms of sex. Yeah. You know, the minute you turn 11, 12 or thereabout, or even earlier than that, you know, 7, which mm-hmm. is regarded as the age of reason, mm-hmm. you know, you start having feelings, attractions, mm. and you start kind of having vibes for other human beings mm. in terms of sexually. Mm. And so it's something that you have to navigate. Mm-hmm. And that's why the Bible has so much conflict with people because the Bible has its own guidelines mm. about sex. Mm. And then your body is telling you something else. Mm. And that's one of the great tragedies that is existing out there. Because for example, people say, I want to get married as a virgin. I'm going to have so much sex when I get married. Ah, uh, there's no sex after marriage. Let me tell you that. <laughs> I guess there is there's baby production after marriage. There is no sex after <laughs> marriage. It's something, ask your mom and dad right now. <laughs> you probably can't do that. <laughs> but if you, if you were to find it in an elder that you trust, mm. I promise you, they will tell you that there is no sex after marriage. Sex is something that you do in your teenage years, mm. in your twenties, mm. and then it is a curve. It is a decline curve mm-hmm. as you grow along. Come on, I'm so much as writing six more books just about sex. Tell me about your uh, first, not sexual encounter, but mm-hmm. first um, introduction to anything sexual. Obviously, like all of us playing house, playing mom, dad, you know, with, with other chicks in the hood, you know. Mm-hmm. It's not sex, and I've written about this. I am an award-winning journalist, by the way. I won, I won Best Journalist last year. Oh, for, really? Yeah, for one of my articles. For for part of this book, before oh, it nice. came out. Nice. Yeah, I was reporter of the year, 2017. So I mentioned that sex begins while you're playing house. Mm. That's where you somehow learn that you are going to be a dad, you're going to be a husband. Mm. It's child's play. Mm. All of that sort of builds you up for where you're going after that in life in terms of So this is then where we say children knows what's best for them. Children know what's best for them. Yeah. They really do. I mean, we all have that one girl that we used to play house with that Mm. we like so much. Mm -hmm. And then we gradually grew into the whole thing later on. Mm -hmm. And then there comes the law. 
So where sex is concerned, there's the law that mm-hmm. you have to deal with as well. There's an age of consent. Yeah. And for Zimbabwe, it's 16, which is ridiculously high. What well, you want someone to be to be what? 10 it should be 12. Oh my word! It should be 12. Look like a great seven. Yes. Oh, and can I tell you something about my? No. Can I tell you something about in my award-winning article uh-huh. which I wrote for the newspaper? Half of the girls I went to primary school with, by the time we were in Form 1, meaning by the time we were 12 years old, mm-hmm. they were pregnant, half of them. Woof. And they wanted to be mothers. They genuinely wanted to it's be mothers. 12. I'm telling you the truth right now. The kids are rolling all over the hood. With the kids? Yes. The kids are rolling with the kids. The kids are rolling with the kids. Oh. <laughs> so, so, it, and it's not something I recommend, of course. Of course I, yeah. I, I don't recommend that anyone have a child below the age of mm. 30, actually. Mm. But then having sex is something that you have to do in your teens and in your early 20s mm. within the confines of the law, of mm. course, mm. you know, and with somebody age appropriate to you as well. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so you have the Bible talking about fornication. Mm-hmm. And I'll bring us back to Zulu and the culture. Mm-hmm. There is no such thing as fornication in our culture. Mm-hmm. Sexual intercourse was regarded as a right for women. Mm-hmm. Yes. Really? Yes. Okay. okay. It was expressly known that girls have sexual needs and that those sexual needs culturally have to be met by an age appropriate young man in her life. Hence they have to have sex. Hence they have to have sex. So as to manage those sexual feelings within her mm. and the young men as well. But don't you think we're managing it now in the modern world where uh, there's sex toys and uh, people are able to no, why like, not? <laughs> manage that? Hey, a human being is a human being. You want some <laughs> flesh in it. You, know? <laughs> you want some flesh. Oh, wow. <laughs> we are having a a serious challenge with that because mm. the modern times have brought with it things that are which is why in the western world the age of consent for example in south africa the age of consent is 12 mm. Mm. in russia it's 18 in germany it's 14 and so about so it's all 16 different. is too high 16 really is way so maybe we reckon our sisters go our young sisters go to south africa and then they can start engaging in dipping and doing it no, let's just let's just upgrade <laughs> our laws. We have to remember that our laws are colonial. Uh-huh. These laws were meant to protect white girls from black men. Oh yes, yes, we yes, have yes, to yes, understand yes, yes. that. Jermaine, just, you know what? Because uh-huh. I don't want everyone. I don't want you to sell your book for free on the show uh, <laughs> because I have like basically three five minutes with you. Yeah, I want you to talk about how you raised your sister Melissa because uh-huh. you touched about that in the book and you also touched about how the family owner resides in a female. So I want you to briefly touch about that and also how you raised your sister. Absolutely. So, okay, first I'll touch on family honor. That was said by an Indian psychiatrist. Her name is Shibata Maitre. Mm -hmm. Um, She says that somehow family honor resides in a woman's body. Mm -hmm. If uh, nobody teaches us how to be men, and that's why I wrote this book, Mm -hmm. we boys are taught to go to the street and do whatever we want. Mm, mm, mm. Women are taught how to organize. 
Women are taught how to process. Mm. Women are taught how to nurture and raise and everything that comes with building a family. Mm. Whereas for us males, we can do whatever we want. Mm. We can run right now. I can wake up and move to New York if I want. I can wake up and move to South Africa. Mm. It's because I have that freedom. Whereas a female, she has to think about family. She has to think about the mother. Mm. When you say that, it reminds me of my sister because my sister literally every time when she's doing stuff, she has to think of her mom and everyone else around. Well, I can miss, while my brother mm-hmm. just moves goes to South Africa <laughs> and then he won't have, he won't, it's not bothered to think about bothered. anything. No, 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 no. Wow. We, we, we wow. males have it cut blanche. Wow. We have a buffet. We can it's just incredible. pick and choose. Wow. So that's why I wrote this book. Men are trash. Mm. And, so and you subscribe to the men are trash? I subscribe to men are trash. Wow. And the reason why I subscribe to that, and there are guys that will pop up on social media and say, oh, I'm not like this. Mm. Most guys are not like this. And that's admirable and that's brilliant. I'm not trash either. Uh-huh. But the problem is, you are not paying attention mm. to most of us who are trash. Mm. You are not aware that most men are trash and wait until you have a daughter. You will remember me saying that men are trash. Wow. Let's talk about your sister raising her. So real quick with my sister. So this one day, a bunch of boys were standing by the street corner. Uh-huh. Like I said, uh, we, we boys, males are taught to just go to the street and hang out and mm. do whatever. Mm-hmm. I was like, Melissa, Go hide by the shrub there and just listen to what these boys are saying about girls. Mm. She listened. But I was listening to. She came back and she was like, wow, I think she was 15 or thereabout or younger. Mm. And I was like, you know what, my sister, I am a male. Mm. Don't think that I'm a male and I'm your, and I'm your brother. Mm. Don't think that when I'm with my boys, I don't say the same shit about women. Mm. We men, we don't know what we're doing. We just don't know. Record? No, we don't. We're just figuring it out. Mm. Like I said about the us before that, if I want to do this, I do it. If I want to do that, I do it. Mm. I do whatever pops into my head. Mm. That's why you find that statistically males sexually abuse females. Mm. It's because male feels like they can do it. It's mm. because that's what we're taught. We're mm. taught that we can do anything, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which is a problem. Mm. It's a serious problem in males. Wow, Jermaine, yeah. like, you know, we have like a second or a minute. There's, I, I can't, I can't let you go without explaining this. So you say dreaming can be a waste of brain power if you don't control it. Uh, this should be like in the chapter 37, 38. Uh, you quoted someone because you quoted a lot of people, which I think is incredible. And it's a demand that you also make sure that you mention those people that are quoted. I don't know if I'm quoted in your book, but anyway. Uh, <laughs> no, dreaming can be a waste of brain power if you do not control it. Mm-hmm. What is that about? Um, like I said that, like you said and mentioned that I'm a college dropout. I, however, have to do my research with this book. I try to be as scientific and to be as journalistic as possible. Mm-hmm. You know, and sadly sometimes I can't because I'm just a college dropout and everything, <laughs> but <laughs> everything in my book, I want you to treat it as my opinion. Mm. But however, I want you to know that it is scientifically proven. You can check the business inside the website. They do have a nice little video where they say that when we human beings are dreaming, we're being psychotic. Mm. Literally, you're being batshit crazy in your head. So sometimes you dream unnecessary things. Sometimes mm. you dream things that can be closer to the truth. And sometimes you have this deja vu. You have this deja vu. Yeah. So you have to... The human body is like an antenna. 
is like a radio antenna. Mm. That's why I love radio so much. Mm. It depends with how connected you are. Mm-hmm. Some are obviously more connected than others. Some are less connected. Your star sign comes into play. Your date of birth. This is where I bring in astrology. Mm-hmm. Your date of birth is important. There are some people that you shouldn't sleep with just because of their date of birth. But then are you gonna ask him and say, "Listen, before we dip it into it, you have when to. were you born? You have to. What about you know some you people that want to sleep with everybody? <laughs> well, first of all, they gotta come to an astrologically provision that I feel like like me. yourself. Yeah. Okay, all right, all right. <laughs> Jermaine, where do we get a hold of your book? I think this is so much information. <laughs> I would really recommend everybody to go get this book. Um, where do we get a hold of your book? First of all, it's it's on Amazon. Mm-hmm. Um, Amazon.com and then you can search for it there. I deserve to be software mm-hmm. is a silent killer. Yeah. Or if you don't like the Kindle thing, you can go to my website and buy it as a PDF. Uh-huh. What's your website? SunnyGermain.com slash book or just SunnyGermain.com. Mm-hmm. It's cheap. It's $9.99 for 576 pages mm-hmm. about good shit. Yeah, yeah, I promise you nothing but good shit. Uh-huh. It's too cheap. People uh-huh. are telling me that it's too cheap for all those pages. Really? And for Zimbabweans, I have a special. You can find my phone number up there, and uh, I can send it to you via WhatsApp directly for four dollars ninety nine. And if you know it, your economics very well, it means you're buying it for a dollar thirty. Guys, Sunny Jamai. Incredible. Thank you. Thank you so much. So you are listening to Gimoti Vibe here on Click Central. Until next week, maybe we should bring Jermaine again next week and go more or go deeper into the book. But then we don't want to sell the book for free because he's a capitalist. He needs to make money and he needs to survive. Jermaine, it's been such an honor. Thank you so much. This is CliffCentral.com.